Hi everyone, welcome, welcome. Um, my name is Calvin and I've got a lovely family right at the back. Um, any noise, it's not us, it's not us. Um, married to Laura and I've got two beautiful kids, um, Lily and Judah. Been married for seven years. Seven years. Got that right. Um, and um, I've been a part of this furniture for about seven, eight years. A long, long time, Glenn would know. Um, we started packing chairs and we're still packing chairs in Jesus' name. And um, we continue doing that. Um, hobbies, just thought I'd just let you know, I've also started golf and uh, mountain biking. Don't do both of them, don't. Um, back injuries and leg injuries, they come. I know Leon, you're looking at me like no injuries, but no, they do come. Because we are falling apart. Um, not all of us, some of us are healthy and strong, amen, but um, yeah, this thing, uh, 37 years old and um, it's got problems. Um, but anyway, um, why I said that is because it's part of my preach. It's um, part of the word, strong word, salvation. And three topics, basically, why salvation, who needs it, and who gives it. Um, difficult to exactly explain what salvation is, but it's pretty much redemption. But we'll get into that now. So what went wrong? Why salvation? Why? It was fine. What's the reason? Let's start in the garden. Let's go straight back to the garden. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from all the trees in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat it, you will certainly die. And there goes my stopwatch. You will certainly die. Perfect relationship. Lovely family. In communion with God. Jesus walking with Adam and Eve having lacquer brides, talking to them, tending the garden, no sweats, no issues. Lovely. It's a beautiful, beautiful family. It's working well. Emotionally sound. Everyone's just in communion with each other. And it's just lovely. One rule. Just one rule. Not many, just one rule. Just don't eat that tree. I don't know about you guys. In my house, I've got a few rules. I've got lots. Um, don't touch my coffee machine. <laughs> it's a simple rule. And Judah, my son, knows not to touch Daddy's coffee machine. It's mine. Just don't ask questions. Don't touch it. Don't touch Daddy's toolbox. He goes straight for the toolbox. He doesn't stop. I mean, he's getting so clever now. He's going and actually taking chocolates out of the cupboard because he's not. We're quite strict on, on sweets at the moment. Um, it's just sweet crazy. Don't want. They don't want breakfast. They just want sweets. I don't know if you're in that same place. So I said to Laura, Laura, where's Judah? I can't find him. I said, Judah, Judah, where are you? And um, Laura said, Go and look under the table. So I quickly went underneath the table and I see Judah on the floor eating this bar of chocolates like this. I don't know how he got it. I 
why he did that. But he did it. And there's something in us that when we see that tree, we like, we just walk. Adam and Eve look. No, I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to touch it. Got a lot of other things, but what's that? Nah, just going to leave that. So not, no, not, not looking at it, not going near it. But it's not like that. Kids rebel. I don't know about your kids, but there's just rebellion from the start. It just doesn't stop. Without rules, without rules, there is chaos. There's chaos in the house. But not just rules, we set a high standard of living. Laura and I try to tell our kids, listen, no lying, no stealing, no punching, no this, no, no, no nothing. Adam and Eve had one rule. I've given my kids 20,000 rules. One rule. And they stuffed it up. I was told once, a long time ago, listen, I think we were in, um, on a surf camp. And I had to just flag up to say it's like, um, you know, time to come in. And I was so distracted. And I was doing this. Um, and the time went on and on and on. And I think I forgot to lift the flag. And someone said, Chuck, hey, lift the flag. You had one job to do. One job. <laughs> I don't know what it is. We get distracted. We get so all over the place. Our minds are in. We forget our job, we forget the rules, we forget who's in charge, we forget our God. We get distracted. God just made one rule, it was perfect, everything was beautiful. But He's just. He's so just that He has to punish them. If He wasn't just, He'd just leave it. God, but God is a righteous judge and he has to punish you. His nature is he just can't look at it. He can't deal with it. He is just and he has to punish sin. I don't know about you, but with my kids, when they do something wrong and they touch that, I've got to do something. Not once, not twice, not three times, many times. If you've got a very good kid, and he, does, and he doesn't do that, then praise the Lord for, for, for that. But they've got to go. Perfect relationship to now needing redemption. Perfect family. Everything is perfect. Everyone is just in a perfect place. And now we're going from this place to sin, crouching at the door to rule us. We know now that we've just broken the law. We've gone from one law to commandments. So God's now, we're at the garden. We've got 10 commandments. And let's not talk about the 615 laws probably added to that. One job. Perfect relationship. Everything going fine. Sweets, chocolates, bananas, berries. To, what, to 10 commandments, 615 laws. But we don't know who we're dealing with. Salvation means to save. When you see your kids leave the house one day, are you worried? Are you scared? Are you concerned? 
What are you concerned about? What are you worried about? Well, I'm worried about Lily meeting some crazy dude. I'm worried about Judah getting into a fight. I'm worried about a lot of things. God's worried. God's not just saying, get out. That's it. I'm not training you. That's it. I'm not talking to you anymore. Uh -uh. Go on. Finish. Kaput. No. He's better than that. He's bigger than that. But he also has to set a standard. He has to set those rules. He didn't want this. One rule to all this now because you're dealing with someone that is very intense. That is very righteous. And you guys, sin is crouching. It's coming for you. It wants to rule you. And it's an ugly thing. But I need to remind you. I need to remind you of how righteous I am. I need to remind you of where this thing's going to lead to. I need to show you the standard of living. You've forgotten. You've forgotten, Adam. You've forgotten Eve. That we had a perfect... There was no lying there. There was no stealing. There was no nothing. It was lovely. Now you've seen all these funny things. You've seen Cain and Abel killing. You've seen death. You've seen chaos. God's desire was for a big family. It's always been for a big family. Adam and Eve, go and multiply. Lovely. Go and multiply, make children, go and, go and be a big family. We want a big family. Actually, we stop now. <laughs> um, it's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult with two children. Hands up to those that have six and more. <laughs> I'm not mentioning names. Everyone did as they saw fit. At that time, the Israelites left the place and went home to their tribes and clans. Each one to his own inheritance. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Lily, Judah, go and do what you want. Do what you want. Imagine that. Come to my household, you'll see. <laughs> you leaving man to do what he wants to do. Are you crazy? Do you know what this thing, sin, can do to you? So now chaos. There's no rules. There's nothing. Do what you want. I'm, I'm not in this, I'm not in this guy anymore. You messed up. Everyone did as they saw fit. They don't know a righteous God. They don't know a king. They don't know who this person was in the garden. Is mommy and daddy telling them? Is mommy, is, are, are, are the parents speaking about this righteous God who loves us, who cares for us, who had it all good? Are they telling them that there was a mess up, but there's redemption? In 1977, um, a famous German guy by the name of Friedrich Nietzsche, got that right now. This, he was in uh, 1977, I don't know if you know, he was an unbeliever. But his quote is this, he said, it remains one of the most famous quotes from a German philosopher back in the day. Nietzsche was referring to how the Enlightenment had contributed to the erosion of religious beliefs, which had long served as a foundational belief system for much of the world. He's not even a believer, but he's realizing that this Enlightenment, this new way of living, this, this, this do what you want, way of living is actually causing the fall of society. You see, friends, without a righteous king, without a, a righteous God, without a, 
a God that rules righteously, chaos and everything prevails after that. If you don't believe me, look at the different cultures that have formed, the religions that have formed, the laws, cancel culture. I don't know if you saw that hectic Oscars evening and Will Smith just goes and does that silly thing. Cancel culture says, remove his reward. Take it away. Don't give it to him. He must stay away. Okay, we'll listen to you. We become our own gods. We become our own ways of, you, you, you listen to us. We're ruling. We're going to build the tower. We're going to determine how things go. We're not going to listen to a god anymore. We're not in the garden, man. We can do what we want. But God sets the tone and makes a culture that is different with commandments and and order. May those all that seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continue, let God be magnified. You see, when you love the salvation, when you love the one that brings those laws, you realize that this old self is not surviving with it, without him. And that's where I say, who needs it? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Where then is boasting excluded? Because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because the law that requires faith. So who needs it? Ask your wife, ask your husband, she'll tell you. Don't ask your boyfriend or your girlfriend because they lie normally. And then normally later on like that, mm, yeah, mm, oh, yes, this guy needs something. We all need it. We all need it. You're born a sinner. You're born with this thing. I mean, Laura and I, when we, when, when, when Lily, our firstborn, was getting born. Firstborn, <laughs> makes sense. Um, beautiful place, beautiful time. Flip, it was the most beautiful thing ever from the outside. But from the inside, we had to start praying. We have to start praying for Lily to find God one day. Lily to realize that she's in need of a savior. She's, she's got problems. I, you know that song. There must be a divorce between you and sin, or there can be no marriage between you and Christ. Charles Spurgeon. You must. You must be born again. Nicodemus, love him. Love that guy. I'll tell you why I love him. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that your teacher has come from God for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can, you, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter a second time in their mother's room to be born again. Friends, Nicodemus had a different spirit. We've, we've heard already from this year, our topic is a different spirit. He's dealing with the Jewish religious people. He's dealing with the manna. He's dealing with the guys that know this thing. But Nicodemus goes at night. Now, I don't know about you, anyone that comes at night, he's up to no good, especially in South Africa. You should have stayed right in your, in your house. <laughs> He didn't go during the day. I wonder why. Oh, well, someone said, where are you going? 
Who are you going to go and see? Who are you involved with? Nicodemus knew something was wrong. Something's wrong with this, these, these Pharisees and stuff. They, they're missing something. He wanted to know more. He, was, he had a different spirit. I wonder if you are in part of a, a group or you're part of a friendship that you're living this lifestyle, but you want more. Something's wrong. Something's wrong with just doing good, doing good, but not meeting the Savior. Nicodemus had a different spirit, and Jesus made a big impact on him. When Jesus makes a big impact on you, things change. He, he, he saw something different. He went at night and he asked Jesus, what's going on? You know what's going on. You aren't you teaching the laws. You, you're the guru. You're the guy. You know everything. No, no, I must be born again. Yes. You're telling me all that stuff I did before? Those 640? Yeah, they're good. Keep doing it. But there's more. You need me. Sin wants to ruin you. Can we, can we really realize it? Sin wants to ruin you. The father's in the garden. He sees his family go. The biggest catastrophe in life, the original sin. Boom. Not to mention he's the best counselor, as you heard Timothy Keller say the other day. He counsels him like, I would have told Judah, kiss him. What the heck's wrong with you? you? Ah. What happened? What did you do? Where's your clothes? What's going on? Wonderful counselor. The uh, Spirit is also known as the wonderful counselor. He counsels them. He doesn't just scoop from eight, leave the house, never to see you again. He counsels them. What's going on here? What's going on? Let me make some close for you. You know you've just done something so big. You've messed up this whole beautiful picture. No. No blame, no shame. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. So you're saying that all my good works, nothing. Well, it's like the two drags, unfortunately. Your best of the best is like a dirty rag, Jesus says. You mean all that, that lady I walked across the road for like 20 times? Bible college, no drugs, no hip hop, no Britney Spears. <laughs> you mean all of that? You mean that's like, oh yeah, yeah. You mean we're dealing with more like an atomic bomb? Yeah, yeah. You mean that this thing's actually killing me? You actually mean it's like killing me? Yes, it's killing you. So we're all unclean. Yeah, that's it. Hectic. So we mustn't do good. No, we do good because God is good. We love because God loves. We care because God cares. We don't just say, no, you know, it's not going to work. No, when God really breathes life into you and he breathes the spirit in you just want to do good you don't want to stop you don't want to stop just one second here oh yes good um yes and so that and that leaves me now going into who needs the salvation? Who needs it? 
But before I say that, I just wanted to say, I missed you, is that you've been forgiven much. And why I say you've been forgiven much, you have to love much. Because those who've been forgiven much, love much. You can't just come to Jesus, and we read that in Luke 7, 47. You can't just come to Jesus and think, just like the scripture says in Luke 7, 47. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman that came into my house? She did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with tears and wiped them with her hair. You, don't get, you did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins has been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Have you been forgiven much? Have you been forgiven much? Do you know that you just messed up once and you've messed them all up? Or are you, are you holier than thou? Do you understand that God is looking for you to see the depravity of your soul? I yet to liken it merely to cancer. And you don't know when your time is up. And we've also got families that have gone through this and it seems eating you away. And you can get all the therapy you need, you just don't know. You don't know the outcome. Friends, we are dealing with something worse than that. Worse than that. We are dealing with someone that we need the greatest surgeon in the world. The greatest heart surgeon there could ever be. We need Christ. And so if you think, oh well, I didn't do that much bad. How can you love God that much? How can you, trust me. How can you love Him much? You need to know how much you've done wrong to love someone. You need to know that. The guy on the cross, he knew that. Next to Jesus, I'm not supposed to be here. I mean, you're not supposed to be here. I should be here. He knew God saw this guy knows he's got a problem. You need desire. You need love. You need to hang on the feet of Jesus. You need to go to him and say, I'm in need of help. See, I had, a, I thought I, I'd done it also right. I'd gone, I'd been raised a Baptist. I'd gone through um, the church system and um, done all the prayers. I was also naughty. I'm sure you were naughty. I was naughty and um, gone through life and went to London at a young age. Some guy by the name of Diego, a Brazilian guy, said to me, "You want to come to church one night?" Uh, one day. I said, "Yes, I've been doing that my whole life. I've been singing, I've been dancing, I've been praying." Uh, Anytime. And I remember um, he looked at me like this, okay. And we caught the tube and we went to church that night. And I just remember that evening, that service. I realized how much I'd, I'd sown in this life of sin all together. And it was a dirty cloth. And I was presenting it to Jesus. This dirty cloth of just sowing all those years of just stuff. And I broke down and I realized I needed a savior. I needed a change. I needed to give my life. I had to be born again. I had to come back to the Father in the garden. I had to be, I had to have redemption. 
I had been, I felt like I messed up so much. I felt like I'm really giving to be forgiven for lots. I had nothing left anyway. So when you've got nothing, you just, it's the best place to be. And I, had, I was looking for a job. I was, it's the best place. Be careful when you've got it all together. Be careful. It's not the place to be. That's when Christ came into my life and he shook the world out of me for the first time ever. It was the best place to be in. Coming broken, in need of a savior. Flip, I went, where the heck have I gone wrong here? I've sewed this, this cloth. I've sewed this dirty thing. And saying, yeah, I have it. It's lovely, isn't it? No, it's not. No, it's not. So, who gives it? Hopefully by now you, you get into the point where in the garden, commandments, can't do it. Okay, we're going to have to nuke this thing. Acts 4 verse 12 says, Acts 4 verse 12, where are you? Sorry guys. For all of oh no. No way, it's not you. Okay, I can't see it here. There can be there can be found no salvation in anyone else but Jesus. We all need Jesus. We've mentioned going to church, Bible study, useless. Paul counted everything useless. If there's anyone to brag about his life, it's Paul. He did it so good, methodically, excellent, perfect. Some of you are perfect at school, perfect exam, 100%. Useless. When you have, when God hits you, when He impacts your life, you realize, oh, okay. Okay, I've missed something. My forefathers didn't tell me what was actually happening in the garden. There was a big difference. Huge difference. Not my efforts. The Pharisees thought they could earn their salvation. They actually wanted to. They were doing weird stuff. Weird things. Earn your salvation. You don't have enough money in the world, man, to pay your debts. How are you going to earn your salvation? You can't earn this thing. You can't. God looks at his son and he says, this is who I'm sending. We were at prayer. Whom do I send? I have to send the best, spotless, without blemish person in the whole world. The father's given his best assurance that this is Jesus. Yearing. This is who I'm well pleased. He's well pleased with him. He doesn't need your rating. He's not a president, 95%, 40%. No, his rating is good and God's, God's given it. Yearing. You need to yearing. It is by grace you have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Unmerited favor. Have you received that? Have you received that, that unmerited favor? God, didn't, God died 
died for us. He laid his body on the cross to give you salvation. He who knew no sin became sin. Picture that. Picture that. Not a drug addict. Fill him with drugs. He's pure, pure salt. Fill him, dirty him, smack him. A pure person. Why would you do that? Why would you want to do that? He's been living a good life. He's a nice person. Now I just want to make him yuck. You want to know how yucky sin is? Have you read in Ezekiel? Ezekiel was asked to carry the sins of, of, of Israel and Judah to lie on the one side for like 30 days or however long you can read the scripture. And but that's the scary part, eat feces. Ugh. That same thing, we'll get to that. Eat feces. So I can I want you to consume this for the sins of the world. You want to know how yucky sin is? You want to vomit? You want to puke? You pull that face? That's how it is to God. So he says, no, I'm not eating feces. I'll eat dog poo. Uh, cow, uh, dog cup. <laughs> he's trying to, he's, he's man, he's sinful. He's trying to get the easy way out. Not God. God's not going to get the easy way out. So he, eat, so he must eat cow dung. It's so bad. Smelly, have you picked up food to us? I'm the worst. I take these 10 little bags and as I grab it, I just steal this for shape. <laughs> it's the worst thing ever. Best picture. Best picture. Nappies. Change the nappy. God is clever. He's using the right metaphors. He's using the right things to understand the yuck this thing has done. Put it on my son. Make him yucky. Make him ugly. Because salvation means to say, it's my job. I'm not just going to leave you. I'm coming for you. I'm not putting you out of this picture. I'm coming for you. I'm not backing out. Someone's like to back out. God doesn't back out. He didn't back out from the God and he's never backed out. He's never stopped pursuing you. He's never stopped loving you. It's a fearless love. Put it on my son. We messed up. We messed up. But I'm going to fix this. What a champ. What a God we serve. What a person Jesus is. To say, God, send me. I know what they need to you. I know what they need to us. The perfect sacrifice. He couldn't use anyone else. The, the animals, it's just not good enough. There's nothing good enough. Nothing. No salvation in anyone else other than Jesus Christ. If you can hear anything, know the depravity that's happened in you. Know what's gone wrong. I know there's an antidote, there's a savior that's paid the price for each and every one of you to have salvation, redemption. The redemption story is the best story in the world. I liken it to the great bishop in this church that's saying, and you probably know the story, but it's a boy that made this beautiful boat. I don't know if you've heard it. And he makes this boat. It's a beautiful boat. He looks at it, he loves this boat. 
and he puts his boat down on the water, but the boat goes away. And the boy's sad because he's lost his boat. It's his boat. He, he made it. It was the most beautiful boat in the whole wide world. It's gone. You think this boy stopped? He kept looking. He kept going. He kept looking for this beautiful boat that I'm going to try and find. So one day he walks in the street and he sees, he sees the shop. My boat! My boat he sees. So he goes into the shop. And the owner of the shop says, oh yeah, that boat, yeah, it's a bit messed. Um, it's not yours, sorry. Um, we found it. Let's pay for it. It's my boat. I built it. No, sorry. Um, yeah, we found it. We must pay for it. Boy goes home, gets all his money, all his funds, and he goes in to the guy with a happy face, a jolly face. It's his boat that he just made. And he gives the guy the money. God lost us, God found us, and God paid for us. The boy looked at the boat, it was messed up, but he fixed the boat, and he cares for the boat, and he loves the boat. Friends, if there's anything that you can leave here today, is don't leave if you haven't made right with your Savior. Don't leave it for one second if you think you're good enough to show in your good works. If, it, if, if you don't think grace was needed and you're okay without it and, and you're okay without it, don't be fooled. You need it. He wants to give it to you. It's unmerited. You don't have to earn it. It's free. Take it. And if you've also been in a desert like I was when I gave my life to Christ and when you stuff, make right with God. Make right with Him. Maybe towards the uh, towards as we close, uh, we end up closing. Maybe there's someone that you'd like to talk to afterwards, and just say, "Listen, can you pray for me? I want to go back. I want to change. This thing is this thing is too hectic. I need a savior. I need him in my life. If there's anyone here that's feeling that right now, and I ask you. Don't be shy. Don't lose it. Today is the day of salvation. Not, don't wait tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Look at the wars that's going on. We don't know. It's risky times. 